Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Book Club. Today, I'll be breaking down Chapter 9 of Becoming Sister Wives on Mary. Mary says, People often ask if they have a system for running the family, but each time they manage to develop a system, the family moves or jobs change or the kids grow up and the whole system reinvents itself. One of the biggest challenges the Browns faced in figuring out polygamy is learning how each wife could maintain their own autonomy while also being an important part of the family. When Janelle and Cody first married, Cody, Janelle, and Mary shared a joint bank account. But they soon learned it wasn't an ideal situation since money is always a tricky subject for most people. But the Brown situation was extra delicate considering that Cody, Mary, and Janelle were all very new to polygamy. The joint bank account they shared accounted for a large chunk of the struggles that they all shared as a plural family. When it was just Mary and Cody, they shared a bank account. All purchases came from that joint account, everything went fine, and the bills were paid from that joint account as well. With just Cody and Mary sharing a bank account, they knew what the budget was, they knew what they needed to buy. They were both comfortable sharing one account together. Cody and Mary discussed the bills that needed paying, what they needed for the house, and the purchases they wanted to make. And both Mary and Cody shared the account. But Mary reveals, although they both shared the account, she was the one who actually was in charge of paying all the house bills, all the utility bills, any bills they have using that account. When Janelle joined the family, Cody and Mary added her to their bank account and no one considered how it would affect the whole group. Back then, they discussed the monthly income and what they needed to pay. They had a family budget and a grocery budget and a budget for the bills and a personal spending budget. Everyone was young and new to their careers, so there wasn't a lot to work with for personal spending. If they wanted something special, they had to save. Cody was in sales. And sometimes he'd have an extra good month, so that extra money would go towards paying off a bill or towards something they were saving for. Janelle, Cody, and Mary decided mutually where the money would go each month. But Mary was still the one who paid all of the bills and divided the budget. Back then, Mary saw no issues with this. But later, she found out that Janelle felt she was controlling the finances. In Mary's mind, since everyone discussed things as a family, she was just executing what the three of them had already decided. But Mary realizes now how detrimental this was to her relationship with Janelle. Mary doesn't recall when they each got their own bank accounts. She can only assume that one or all of them discovered that having only one bank account didn't give each of them their own autonomy. I think when Mary says one or all of us discovered sharing one bank account didn't give them each autonomy, she means Janelle wanted her own account. I could understand that. I mean, Mary and Cody were sharing resources as a monogamous couple, and they had their own financial routine. Then Janelle came in, and she was self-reliant, she was independent, 
and she also probably brought in the lion's share of the family's income, even more than Cody, most likely. So Janelle probably realized at these financial meetings that she wouldn't be heard or that it would create animosity if she were to speak up because of Mary's overbearing and critical nature back then. So Janelle probably said nothing, and Mary and Cody did things as they always did, till it probably got to the point where Janelle wanted her own finances, which is smart considering the way Cody seems to be impulsive with money, just in my opinion. It would be very hard to feel autonomy in that situation when you put in your whole paycheck to this joint account and you feel you have no voice in how things are done financially. Janelle knows Mary is difficult and she avoided Mary like the plague. When she first moved in with Mary and Cody, at first Janelle stuck to living from her room in order to avoid the common areas and when they made household decisions back then, Janelle used to have to involve Cody to have a voice because Mary could get angry and volatile very easily. So Mary isn't super approachable when it comes to expressing yourself. Mary isn't easy to talk to, seems, or she wasn't back then. So I can totally see why Janelle may have said, F this, I want my own account. Now we don't know if that's how it went down, I'm just speculating. Mary says in a polygamous family structure like theirs, it's important that every member maintains their autonomy. Janelle and Mary were able to create their own autonomy when they got their own separate bank accounts. It gave them more independence because they didn't have to check in with each other regarding their spending. They could all buy things without being concerned about anyone's disapproval. Everyone could handle their individual finances as they liked and to feel like individuals who contribute to the same family. Ever since then, all the sister wives have kept separate finances. As the family has grown, so has the way they handle their finances. That's evolved a great deal. The way the family manages finances, each adult takes ownership of certain family bills, be it the mortgage, the cell phone bill, or even a car payment. The bills each adult pays may not specifically be their own. They may not even be in their name. The family divides all the bills based on each person's income level. Because the Browns have such a large family, there are often major expenses. If there is a certain issue where a wife needs help, the family will get together to cover the expense as a group. If a wife needs help, first they go to Cody, and many times Cody is all that is needed to handle it. But there are also times when Cody will have to go to another wife or sometimes even more than one wife, to see who is financially able to pool resources in order to handle tight financial spots. Mary recalls when years ago the transmission went out on her car. Everyone in the family knew how important it was to have a working vehicle, so everyone pulled together in order to cover it. Cody has been a salesman most of his life, and in sales, you can have good months and bad months. When Cody has bad months, all the wives contribute to get the mortgage paid. When Cody has a good month and he has a little extra, they use that extra to play catch up on the bad months. Or Cody might choose to do something fun with it, like going on a special trip with a wife and her kids. 
Are there more good months or bad months? For Cody, how often do the wives have to pitch in to cover another wife's financial situation? Or the mortgage? Sales are typically commission-based, primarily. So if you don't sell, you don't eat. A man with 17 plus people, depending on him, should probably, in my opinion, have a job where he knows what to expect monthly, that he will always have a stable salary. I guess Cody likes taking a gamble and making his wives pay for that gamble on the bad months. It's interesting that Robin felt comfortable having Cody take all of his commission from when he sold that big sign and he made a whirlwind commission for her rent. The family could have used that particularly when you don't know what kind of month Cody will have. He doesn't get a stable set in stone paycheck. At least back then. And if it's a bad month, the wives have to pay the mortgage that month. Yet Cody makes this huge sale. He sells a huge sign, makes a huge commission. And rather than that going to the family to make up for when the wives had to cover Cody's ass on a bad month, he gave that commission to Robin to get her rental. If Cody can't afford all his wives without asking his other wives to pitch in at times and pull resources for another wife's tough financial bind, he shouldn't be living polygamy. To ask wives to pull resources, I get that's the point to be selfless for the team and put others' needs ahead of your own. But I would assume that creates a level of animosity for Cody to go to a wife and say another wife needs X paid by this date. I need you and I need my other wife to help pay. It shouldn't be up to the wives to cover what Cody should be able to cover as the husband and the leader. And that's a gray area where things could be perceived as very unfair. So it opens a huge can of worms and complication, especially when we're talking about money. I just think if Cody can't always afford his mortgage on bad months and he has to make his wives pay sometimes from their limited budgets and he can afford a large commission going straight to Robin's rental, as the husband, Cody should be able and capable to cover the mortgage to house his wives and kids since that's part of the deal he signed up for. This seems like Cody adding another hardship for his wives as a husband and a leader. I think a good leader and a good husband would find a way to handle it without asking his wives to sacrifice financially when they're already not getting big enough budgets to make ends meet some months. Also, Cody's asking his wives to pay at times to help for other wives. So I can't imagine the amount of resentment that would create. What happened to the autonomy Mary and Janelle gained from the separate bank accounts? And we all know when Cody has to go to a wife or two to beg them to pull resources rather than him finding a stable salary job that's secure, that's reliable financially, so his wives don't have to chip in for the mortgage on the bad months, we know what wife Cody goes to. What other wife could it be? Janelle is the breadwinner wife, and she probably brings in more than Cody. I suspect that at least. And as the only other full-time employed adult with a stable full-time income, I am sure Janelle is the one Cody has to beg over and over when there's a financial issue in the family. 
So how fair is that? And how much autonomy is that? When Mary says we play catch up from the bad months when Cody has a good month, does that mean they accrue debt on the bad months and have to pay it off on the good ones? Is that what that means? So basically, with that financial plan and that income roller coaster, it seems like a continuous cycle of having debt and paying it off, and having debt and paying it off, and begging the wives, probably Janelle mostly, to help pay the other wives this or that. Begging the wives that they need to pool their money and stretch a budget so stiff it's formed peaks like the beaten egg whites of a meringue. Done right, you turn the bowl over and those fluffy whites are going nowhere, stuck stiff in that bowl, just like these budgets that are already stretched to the max, stuck and stiff. And then the wives are asked to give more as Cody uses his big commission on Robin's rental and the kids have to beg for new shoes or braces and the squeakiest wheel gets the grease. I want to know, granted it's none of my business, but I wonder, has Cody ever asked the wives to cover the mortgage on a bad month after getting that huge commission and spending it on Robin and her rental. If he did ask his wives to pitch in after spending that full commission on Robin's rental, did he feel ashamed when asking, even just a little bit? Mary says their first commitment was to the family, but as the kids have gotten older and every wife has moved into their separate homes, the wives have begun to live more independently from each other. Each wife looks after their own home and their own kids, and they do things their own way. Now, but it wasn't always so. When the oldest kids were young and Janelle worked full-time and Christine worked part-time, Mary was the stay-at-home mom. Mary writes, In a lot of areas, I'm a lot more particular about certain things than my sister wives are. I tend to like a little more order and quiet, and I have clear ideas about when and how to discipline the kids. I really struggle when I see the kids being disrespectful to their parents. It has always been very important to me that our children grow up with a strong sense of respect for both people and things. When the kids were young, I tried very hard to instill this in them. I wanted them to respect one another by playing nicely together and getting along. I wanted them to respect their parents by being obedient and not talking back when asked to do something. When I see one of our children do this, it sure gets my Irish up. I also think it's necessary for children to respect things. This could be each other's toys, their private space, and yes, this could also be furniture. I'm the type of mom who doesn't allow jumping on furniture. I know I've not always been looked too highly upon by some of my sister wives because this makes me seem too strict. But my furniture has definitely outlived some of theirs. I remember a time years ago when Cody was sort of getting after me because he didn't want the kids to feel like they were walking into a museum when they came to my house. I think, however, that he has mellowed somewhat about that opinion as he has seen my household furniture last longer than that of my 
sister wives. Over the years, I have also learned to relax when it comes to the way the kids act in my home. While I still expect them to treat me and my space with respect and not act like wild animals running through the house, I have become more patient when they do. My first thought is I understand wanting kids to be respectful, but expecting kids to blindly obey and disciplining them for the slightest thing to train them into submission so they learn respect, in my opinion, that doesn't teach kids to be respectful. That teaches kids to be resentful. In my opinion, if you want a child to respect you, constant discipline with an emphasis on obedience and respect doesn't create respect for the child to the parent. You need to build a relationship with your child and build a bond that allows them to feel and grow respect for you as a parent. Sometimes there does need to be discipline to a degree, but in my view, if you treat the child as if you trust them and they have some autonomy as a separate human being and you do things calmly rather than resorting to discipline and being intense each time a kid shows disrespect, the child will naturally respect you from their heart. Otherwise, with just straight spazzing out and heavy discipline and the idea of I'm the authority, you are beneath me, respect me, you're a kid, I'm the adult, end of story. When you do that and you don't build a relationship where respect is cultivated and the child feels respected and valued as well, then the child will behave as you want just to keep you at bay, not because they actually respect you or understand what respect is. The child will resent you and they will grow up and loathe you. Also, kids need to be kids. Kids are learning and interacting with their environment. They are energetic. They are curious. So too much order and discipline interrupts that process and that can also inhibit a child as well. Children are learning who they are independently. So occasionally they will talk back. It's normal. You can't just beat it out of them or discipline them. If that's the situation, the kid might act like a robot to please you and to keep you at bay, but there is no actual respect there and they will grow up and not want a relationship with the adult. It becomes unsafe for the child and walking on eggshells will be the order of the day and they will feel suffocated. It's not a loving, nurturing environment where you instill that bond so that they develop respect. You can't instill respect with just discipline and rigidity. Then it's not respect, it's just the kid behaving as you like to avoid your wrath, but they don't actually feel and understand respect. Kids need autonomy to a degree that is appropriate to their age, and they need to feel respected and valued by the adults. If the adults cultivate a loving, trusting, safe environment with parameters and reasonable punishments, children will learn respect. Otherwise, they will just learn how to act in front of you to avoid your wrath and they will resent you big time as an adult without really understanding what respect means. Being strict and authoritative and using discipline doesn't teach respect in my opinion, just from my experience. You have to show the child respect as well and teach them what respect means. Straight up discipline alone doesn't teach that in my opinion, just from my experience growing up. Mary mentions she doesn't like jumping on her furniture and some of her sister wives think she is too strict, but her furniture outlasts theirs. 
We know that Mary had white furniture and she liked her privacy. So she made everyone walk through the outside and up and down stairs to access Christine's basement unit in the big house. Because otherwise, to access Christine's space from the inside, they would have to walk through Mary's unit. My question is, does it really matter that her couches outlived her sister wives in comparison to the resentment and conflict that created within the family dynamic and with Mary and the kids? Mary seems to not only have been heavy-handed and overbearing with Janelle and her sister wives, but also with the kids. It's fine if she wants to be difficult and controlling with the adults. That's their choice to accept. But again, kids can't choose. And that type of personality trait can be very damaging to a child. And it makes a child feel that they have to walk on eggshells. And it's not a good feeling to a child. It can be very detrimental. It can create stress and anxiety and trauma. And we also know that Christine and Mary got into a big fight over Mary being too heavy-handed in disciplining Christine's kids. It caused a huge rift in the relationship between Mary and Christine. I think Mary has to have everything exactly her way. She seems very anal and controlling, and if it's not her way, she wants to control it and make it her way, even with the kids, and that can be incredibly toxic. Look how Mary made Janelle feel. Janelle had to live in her room and avoid common areas to avoid Mary's wrath when she and Cody first married. Janelle had to later go to Cody to talk to Mary when they made household decisions to have her voice heard. Because Mary would blow a gasket if Janelle said anything other than what Mary wanted. We know from the show and the book that Janelle was berated, deemed lazy, and when she would try and pitch in with the cooking or cleanup at family gatherings, and it wasn't Janelle's wheelhouse and she would try, she got criticized a time too many. And it made her feel worse about her homemaking skills, which she wasn't very confident in. To the point where now, if there is group cooking or cleanup, Janelle bows out. Living with a person who is controlling and authoritative, who insists on their way, who will jump down your throat and criticize and demean otherwise, it feels like living with a monster. It creates anxiety. It creates trauma. It creates stress. It creates a feeling of being less than and it feels very suffocating, like your voice has been taken from you. It removes a sense of autonomy and it's not a good feeling to have. It creates toxicity, especially in an environment where you can't be real and know that you will be heard or understood when you communicate. That's a ton of tension and negativity. So then add Mary's emphasis on order and discipline with the kids and her possibly taking the resentment she feels with a sister wife out on their kids, and that's a trauma tornado. No, in one episode of Sister Wives in a later season, in the episode where Cody and Mary go to counseling with Nancy, and Cody told Mary she deceived him from the start, he also said Mary had to fix her relationships with the older kids, but he didn't expand on it. And I'm assuming those older kids have a lot of resentment towards Mary because of her behavior as they were growing up. I don't think Mary intends to be a monster. 
Now, this is just my opinion, but I think what happened with Mary is she lived a very sheltered life and she was very naive. She had no clue about life or the outside world or who she really was as a person. And she fell in love with Cody at 18, or I believe it was 19. And then she and Cody married, both having no clue about who they are or life or anything. And they were happy together monogamously. Mary felt she mattered, maybe for the first time in her life. She had love. She felt good about herself. And they were happy together monogamously, Cody and Mary. And then Cody married Janelle, and then he married Christine. And Cody was what made Mary feel good and worth it. And I don't think she had a very defined sense of self. And Cody had to give attention to these other wives. So Mary got less and less. And I don't think she knew exactly who she was outside of Cody. Then she grew bitter and resentful. And she figured the only way to feel she mattered was to take control. And she took comfort in having things her way. And it became her sense of self or a false sense of self. That's how Mary was able to feel she still mattered and how she was able to cope with the situation. And it spun and spun. And Mary probably was sad and angry underneath, missing what she had initially with Cody in those first three years. The control was probably her way of getting attention and feeling like she would always have a place and like she would always matter and like she had power. The wives were afraid of upsetting Mary, and Cody was used as a broker to talk to Mary. He had to negotiate with her so that his other wives could be heard. And so she was getting attention, and all of this negativity snowballed into more negativity, and that dynamic continued. And Mary feels she has to be very assertive in order to keep what little is hers. Otherwise, she probably feels people will just walk all over her. I could be wrong, but these are just my thoughts. I feel for Mary. I think she bit off way more than she can chew. But just because she suffers, it's also no excuse to take it out on the kids. They cannot choose what they deserve. And I also don't agree with how she treated her sister wives either. But I can get how it happened in some way. Also, adults can choose what to accept and what not to accept. They can set boundaries. But the kids can't, so Mary should have gone and gotten help. She wants to counsel kids, and I think deep down, Mary really has a very soft heart. But she doesn't feel she can be that person, or she will be walked all over. But first, she should have helped herself. Mary had issues with everyone. Cody, Janelle, Christine, the kids even. If there is always a problem with every single relationship you have, at some point you have to look at yourself and say, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I need help. I know Mary goes to counseling and she is trying now, but when you do that much damage, it's very hard to rebuild and to regain trust and to rebuild those relationships. When Mary did most of the daycare in the family, she was comfortable disciplining all the kids. It was easier when the kids were small. When the Browns lived in Wyoming and Janelle worked full-time and Christine worked part-time, everyone adjusted their schedule so a mom would always be home. And that was a very good time for the family. And they discovered it was best if each wife had a separate home so each wife had their own autonomy and freedom. And each wife could also raise their kids as they wished. All the wives had the same expectations for the kids in the family, 
but they each had their own way of handling their home life and having separate homes meant each mom could interact with their children freely without another mom questioning the way things were handled. There was an unwritten rule that whatever mom was home with the kids, that mom could use their judgment to discipline the kids doing whatever was appropriate in their view for the situation. There were occasional disagreements about this. In one instance, Mary was at work and Leo needed to be disciplined. Christine handled it how she saw fit. Mary was fine with Christine addressing the problem, but she took issue with the way Leo was disciplined. Mary felt the way Christine disciplined Leo was far too extreme. And Mary and Christine discussed the issue. Christine disagreed with Mary's opinion, but she respected Mary's feelings. When Christine mentioned the fight she had with Mary that fractured their relationship because Mary was too heavy-handed with disciplining Christine's kids, and Christine felt it was directed specifically at her and her kids, I wonder if Mary possibly held resentment from this time when she felt Christine didn't use the right punishment with Leo. And I wonder if that affected Mary's behavior with Christine's kids in some way. This could be another layer of toxicity inherent in the lifestyle, that the relational dynamics between the adults in the system trickle down to how the kids are treated. I've been focusing a lot on the dynamics between the sister wives or Cody and the sister wives or Cody and his kids. But I want to consider more how the dynamics between the wives trickle down to affect the treatment of the kids in a polygamous family as well. When the kids were younger, Mary would choose a punishment that fit the situation. Mary gives examples like if a child hit another child with a toy, they could then no longer play with that toy. If a child didn't clean their room, they could not play outside with the other kids until their room was clean. Mary says she would never discipline the kids if she did not think they could understand how to correct their behavior. As the kids have gotten older, Mary has taken a back seat in affairs that don't concern her own child directly. Mary realizes that she and her sister wives have differing opinions on what constitutes a punishable offense and what doesn't. She realizes the other moms need their space and freedom to do things their own way. However, Mary says she can't always ignore when the kids do something wrong. Mary recalls an incident in the summer when she felt she had to step in to correct a situation that went on too long and needed to change. There were issues blending families with Robin and several of Christine's and Janelle's kids weren't accepting of Robin's kids as siblings or of Robin as a parent. Some of the teenaged boys were picking on Robin's younger girls. Mary knew it could be perceived as a typical brother-sister relationship where the brothers pick on their sisters, but Mary says since the girls were bothered, it had to stop, and she felt nothing was being done to address it or change things, so Mary stepped in. Mary writes, On a camping trip, things became too aggressive for me to brush aside any longer. A few of the boys were picking on one of the little girls and making her cry. 
I had enough of it. I got after the kids, telling them they'd better shape up and start treating one another with more respect. I told them that Robin's kids are their siblings, whether they like it or not, and they better start treating them like it. As I was speaking, I noticed that Janelle and Christine just stood there, and they didn't say anything to back me up. I felt betrayed by their lack of support. I feel strongly that the adults in the family must show a united front to the children, so they know we are all in this together and will support one another's decisions. I think it is very detrimental to let children think they can play one parent against another. But not all the wives feel this way. In fact, later on, Christine told me she thought I was completely out of line for speaking my mind at the moment. It's never okay for kids to pick on each other, but in this situation, it wasn't Mary's child involved. And in my opinion, this was an issue for Christine and Janelle and Robin to handle together privately. Mary getting fed up and intervening on camera and in a group setting is a lot. I understand Mary's point that all the adults should be united or it creates confusion for the child or weak points in the family where a child feels they can manipulate the situation. But in this case, it wasn't really Mary's place. It involved Janelle's kids and Christine's kids, and Robin's kids. And also, this is not a normal situation for a child or with blending families. This is a polygamous family system, and there was a lot of change in the family dynamic when Robin entered the picture and when she entered the family with her kids. And Cody was less present with all of his other kids and with the moms. There is a lot of resentment and change underneath everything, and even the kids can see their dad's different behavior and investment level with Robin and her kids versus all of the other kids and moms. It's very complicated for the kids. It's very confusing. This is not just a simple bullying incident, and Mary was someone who already was avoided by the kids. There was resentment towards her because of how strict and overbearing and heavy-handed she was, with the discipline. So when she stepped in, it just created more negativity for everyone, in my opinion. The way to handle this, to me, was for Christine, Janelle, and Robin to handle it. And if Married was so bothered by it, she should privately have addressed this with the adults in the family that this pertained to, rather than interfering herself when it doesn't involve her kid. If the wives didn't agree with Mary's approach, it's hard for them to pretend to be united with her when it involves their kids. Ultimately, also, this will just make the kids resent Mary even more, and it's going to create even more resentment towards Robin and her kids as well. Mary says her parenting style involves addressing things immediately, so the child can understand exactly what they did wrong. So Mary jumped in and she talked to the kids about their behavior during the camping incident. Christine preferred to wait and talk to the kids involved individually, privately later on. Mary feels there are pros and cons to each parenting approach, but this was a time where they all had to remember to be patient and forgiving with each other since they all shared the same goal of having a happy, orderly, and healthy family. Since the kids are mostly older now, a major topic of concern is dating. When the kids were little, the adults always said 
16 was an appropriate age for dating. But now that the kids have reached that age, the parents have realized the issue isn't so black and white. All the adults and the kids don't agree on what constitutes a date. A date could mean a group of kids hanging out or a romantic interest or two kids hanging out one-on-one. A group of kids hanging out is just hanging out. Since when was that ever a date? Mary feels some of the kids are mature enough to date and others might not be ready. They might be too liberal and take too many liberties on that date. So the adults have to now figure out a way to permit one child to do something another cannot while keeping things fair. Mary feels the kids have to be at least 16 to date. She thinks any younger than that, there is no need for dating and it will just set the kids up for heartbreak and mistakes. She feels kids younger than 16 don't have the fortitude to deal with emotions and romantic situations. With kissing, Mary feels that should be reserved for someone special at an older, more mature age. She says kissing can lead to things that teens shouldn't get into, that they don't have the maturity to handle. Mary is in a fortunate position, though, with Leo. Leo hasn't shown any interest in young men at that point, and Leo was committed to the faith and living a plural lifestyle. Mary mentions how Leo will remain chaste till marriage since they intended to live polygamously back then. Leo has high expectations for themselves and Leo planned to finish high school and to go to college to pursue their dream of becoming a doctor. Leo didn't intend to get married until they finished a few years of college and Mary knows Leo will have their share of heartbreak and dating before they find their soulmate. Mary knows Leo will be stubborn and live up to their standards. Mary says, She and Cody have discussed Leo's commitment to the faith and they are proud of the path that Leo was pursuing. Mary says she feels she has it easier with Leo's choices than some of her sister wives have with their children and she has been blessed with Leo. Leo, of course, has a wonderful life, but Leo no longer dreams of living in polygamous bliss or should I say hell. Leo has a wonderful fiance. Leo has come out and announced their name and pronouns. They seem very happy with who they are and they pursue their education and career and their dreams are no longer to become a doctor and live polygamously, but they seem very happy and fulfilled living their best life as they are. Mary says she and Leo have always had a special bond. In the evenings when Cody isn't around, it's just the two of them. Of course, this book was written when Leo was a teenager, so we have to keep that in mind. Leo loves being part of a large family, and the best part of polygamy for them is having siblings and not being an only child, which they would have been if they were not in a plural family. Since the move to Vegas, with everyone in different rentals so far apart, they no longer have the constant interaction with the rest of the family. Robin and her kids often joined Mary and Leo for meals. Robin and the kids joined Mary with and without Cody present. Those bonding moments are special to Mary. In Utah, it was much easier to interact with the family spontaneously, but in Vegas, every family gathering has to be planned in advance. There are family dinners every Friday, but not all the older kids attend. 
There are also Sunday afternoon lunches. Leo spends most of their time with Aspen and Madison. The three siblings were born within three or four months of each other, and they have always been close. In the summer, the older kids meet at Janelle's house because she has a pool. And Christine, Robin, and Janelle's homes are all in walking distance of each other, and the little kids swim at Mary's pool. Mary has a very close bond with Isabel. Mary and Isabel naturally click, and she hangs out with Mary a lot particularly when she is needy, and Christine really appreciates that. Mary helps Christine handle Isabel when Christine has lost her patience. And back then, Isabel was eight years old and a handful. Christine often joked that Isabel should go live with Mary since she loves it so much. Mary also developed a very close relationship with Dayton. They share a birthday and they have a fun, quirky relationship. Cody has a birthday tradition with the kids where he will take just the birthday boy or girl with their mom out on a special birthday date. They could shop for new clothes or go to dinner and a movie or do whatever is appropriate. Because Dayton and Mary share a birthday, Dayton gets a birthday bonus. Mary usually takes Dayton to do something with just her one-on-one -on -one since they share the same birthday. It helps to build and cement their relationship. Mary says her bond with Dayton and all of Robin's kids has been an added bonus to the relationship she has with Robin. When Robin was pregnant, Mary felt she bonded quickly with Robin's unborn child, Saul, of course. Even got baby stuff for Mary's house too because Mary wanted the baby to spend lots of time her house and she also wanted to make it convenient for Robin. Robin agreed to this and she loved the connection Mary was forging with the baby. At Robin's baby shower, Robin even got duplicates of one of her baby shower gifts, a bouncer baby seat, and rather than return it, she gave it to Mary to use when the baby was over at her place. Mary also went shopping and she even kept baby clothes at her house to make things easier for Robin. Mary was very excited for Solomon to be born. And when he was born, Mary got together with Robin as often as possible, and she really wants to form a lifetime bond with Saul. Mary loves being part of such a large family. There's always something going on with the children, whether it's a graduation or a sports event or a performance. Mary and her sister wives constantly call and text each other to keep the family informed of all the family events. The whole family can't always attend everything, but they always like to make sure at least some of the family is there. Mary tries to attend as much as she can. She attends Hunter's football games, for example. She likes watching the closeness between the kids and how the kids support each other in their activities and interests. It has been exciting for Mary to see the evolution of the kids since the first year in Vegas, and the kids going from sad and upset over the move to being involved with new friends and activities. Since the move to Vegas, everyone's lives have gotten busier. Mary wishes the adults could get together socially more often. So far, it isn't possible more than once a month. When the kids are in school, the adults meet twice a week for business and organizational meetings regarding the family. When the adults do get a chance to break away socially, they have to make a conscious effort not to talk business. 
and to focus on enjoying each other's company instead. When the adults want to get together, the other sister wives have to find times when the older kids are available to watch the younger ones. Mary, having just one 16-year-old, doesn't have to worry about homework or finding a babysitter, and Leo is often at Robin's house helping to watch her kids. The wives try to go to lunch to reconnect whenever they can since they now live separately in Vegas, and they're all very busy. So meeting for lunch is a welcome break. They normally eat while the kids are in school, and Mary hopes Cody also takes the time away from his wives and family to renew his own energy. Mary says Cody puts so much energy out to all of them that it's also important for him to take time to rejuvenate as well. He says soon Leo will leave the house to go to college and they intend to go to school in Utah. Mary has heard that empty nesters have to figure out who they are all over again. And that's exactly how Mary feels. She has to figure out her place in the family again as an empty nester. And it will be a new chapter of her life and in her evolution as a sister wife. Mary talks to Robin about becoming an empty nester. And Robin always reminds Mary she still has kids. And Mary agrees. Mary knows she still has kids in the family, but it's different than having kids in her own home full time that she has constant influence over. Mary is at a major fork in the road at this point. In two years, Leo will graduate. They're just 16. Leo would graduate in 2013, and Mary doesn't know what path she will take. There are three possibilities for Mary. One is continuing school to become a counselor for at-risk youth. Another option is to pursue one of their family businesses by doing humanitarian work and traveling with friends and family to new places. And the third option wouldn't be possible without her sister wives. Over the last couple of years, Mary has experienced the true love that two sister wives can share. Robin has shown Mary this true love many times, especially after Saul was born. Knowing that Mary dreamed of having more kids and knowing her body prevented it, Robin pulled Mary aside. With the love and understanding that only a sister wife could have, Robin offered to carry a child for Mary and Cody. And that third option would mean Mary becoming a mom again in a way Mary would never have imagined was possible. Mary thinks all three possibilities are amazing opportunities that would easily fulfill her. As Mary continues her life, she will love every moment she has with Leo until they move on to college and their adult life. Mary will do the best for herself and her family in the role she is in, and she will work towards the next chapter in her life. Mary looks towards the future with hope and anticipation, expecting life to bring her all the happiness and fulfillment she has had in the past and more. And Mary doesn't doubt that this new chapter of her life will be an amazing one. This is so bittersweet. We know Leo has a wonderful life. They are confident in who they are. They're engaged and educated and pursuing their goals and education. I'm not sure if Leo has graduated yet, but I believe by now she's graduated. 
And Mary has a very successful inn and she is very successful peddling her Lula junk. But Mary also had the catfish incident and she and Cody barely speak. They are still spiritually married, but Cody makes it clear he is not interested in a romantic relationship with Mary. Cody just barely tolerates Mary now as an acquaintance. They've all moved to Flagstaff. All the wives live separate lives in separate homes. And Christine has left Cody and moved back to Utah. We know the pandemic happened and Cody has grown increasingly bitter and resentful of his lifestyle and of his wives and family, even resorting to calling his family an obstacle to his goals in life. We know Cody created his own set of COVID mandates stricter than the CDC guidelines. And other than Robin and her family, Mary, who lives alone, was the only other wife willing to abide by Cody's rules. And Cody used those rules as an excuse to behave like an asshole and to distance himself from his wives and kids with the justification that he fears COVID and he needs to protect his family. Cody used that as an excuse to justify no longer showing up and seeing his other wives and kids. And he used it as an excuse to live monogamously with Robin during the pandemic for nine to ten months because she was the only wife who would follow his rules. And Cody made clear Mary was welcome because Mary lived alone and she followed his rules to a T. But Robin refused to extend an invitation for ten months, making the bullshit excuse that the other wives would get pissed if Mary was the only one allowed over when they really don't care. And even Christine and Janelle assumed Mary was welcome at Robin's house all that time. And they were shocked to find out that Mary was isolated and alone all the time as they were able to hang out separately together. And Mary claims that she and Robin have such a tight sister bond that Robin volunteered to carry her baby. But Robin can't even be bothered to invite Mary over when she's isolated and alone and all she wants is a little attention and love from the family. She lives for the attention that she can get with the family. She identifies herself. Her strong sense of identity comes from being a part of that family. And Robin couldn't extend an invitation to Mary when it counted. Mary has financial success. But she, especially with the pandemic, she's isolated from the family. And her only connection really with the family is the one she holds with Robin and her kids mainly. And Robin only seems to extend invitations when it's convenient for her and when she needs something from Mary. For example, in the season 17 trailer, we see Robin at Mary's house. Why is Robin at Mary's house? Because she needs something from Mary. Mary and Janelle still have a lot of resentment over past issues. Although they get along better now, they aren't that close and they may never be. So Mary stays, in my opinion, what feels like an unhappy situation. But she does also seem to get a lot of fulfillment from the successful inn and the MLM she involved herself in. It'd be interesting to see how Mary is in this upcoming season. I think everyone would really love to see Mary happy and at peace and appreciated getting the love and the gratitude she deserves. That does it for this episode. I'll see you later this week for the next episode of My Sister Wives Rewatch, Season 16, Episode 4, Sister and Wives. 
to my YouTube viewers, please don't forget to hit that like and subscribe and let me know your thoughts in the comments section if you like. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you soon. Bye.